Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the rain. I thank you for the blessing that it is just to be alive. And I ask that, uh, Lord, that you inspire us for the seminar, Lord, and that it is your seminar and that we learn how to learn from you. In your name, amen. All right. So here we go with ideas because I'm a teacher and I survive on other people's ideas. <laughs> And I find that in other people's ideas is where I get inspired to then waterfall off their ideas. So one of the things that um, my teacher talked about for my master's was the importance of a sense of wonder. And that um, he related to even with a, with a walk of God, if we lose our sense of wonder, then we've lost a lot. So it's important that we remember how to wonder and we remember how to um, be amazed about what God has done around us. So um, I like this little quote because I think that um, really that is what another thing we're missing in our society is just spending time with each other. And that's, you know, one thing that phones do is often it, it takes up that time of just literally spending time with one another. Um, I, I long for the days where we'd sit on our porch and talk to the neighbor, I think. That would be so cool to live in that age, but I think sometimes um, you have an idea of the past that's not reality, but you just want to make it a reality in your mind. Uh, so if a child is to keep alive his inborn sense of wonder, he or she needs the companionship of at least one adult who can share it, rediscovering the joy, excitement, and mystery of the world we live in. Now, kids can do a great job exploring on their own. That is true, but there is something much more magical when they share it with you, because how many times when they find something, what's the first thing they do? They want to show you as their parent. They want your approval. They want your confirmation that it was a great idea and a great find. Um, and it's just something in them. And I don't know about you as an adult, but sometimes I need that confirmation too. Like, yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? Oh, thank you. It was good. <laughs> like, you know, I, for some reason, unfortunately, we crave those words of affirmation. And so um, I think it's the same thing with, with God, though. When we find something amazing that he has done for us, we want to share it, right? And we want to spread that joy. So here's a couple of ideas. Um, fill your classroom or personal library with nature books. My classroom um, had these really old, ancient, ugly, like ugly as you can get, brown encyclopedia books of animals. And my little ones would pour through those books every free moment they had. I mean, they would pick those up nine times out of ten compared to all the fun flashy ones because they love the pictures of animals. But what was really weird to me is the pictures inside the books weren't even that nice. And they still preferred. And for story time, they'd ask me to read one of those and I would have a hard time being like, Lord, how do I make this exciting for them? Because as soon as I start reading, I know they're going to be bored. Like, how do I make it? But they would want that more than they would want Froggy Goes to the Doctor. Like, they would actually prefer the animal books. So um, fill, your, fill your personal library with nature books and I, I challenge you to take out your cartoon animal books. Just take them out. Take them out of your house. Take them out of your classroom. Pack them up. I'm not saying you have to get rid of them forever, but just do a little experiment and see what happens and just fill, fill your library, fill your personal library, fill your school library with the books that you want to fill your kids' minds with. Even though those other books are fun and those stories are fun, um, it's amazing to me that they, they want something more. The kids really honestly want something more. Um, another thing that uh, you can do is just be intentional. You know, we have to be intentional about our time with God, right? We have to say, I'm going to set apart 30 minutes to spend time with him. I'm going to make it a priority to spend an hour with him. Well, you need to do the same thing with spending green time outside. 
You just need to make it a priority and say, I'm going to spend an hour outside. So one of the ideas that I found that was really cool was just 30 minutes as soon as your child gets home from school, they're outside. And they're just outside for 30 minutes. As soon as they get home from school, they just know they're outside. So whenever, I don't know what your different schedules are, but um, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, make a schedule time for yourself where you're just 30 minutes outside doing everything you can to just enjoy being outside. Um, if you're a teacher, um, make a structured re recess and call it green recess. Kids love when things have a name. And they love it when things have like, and it sounds so much more exciting when it has a title. Like, this is now backwards day. Oh, cool. Just because it has a title, everything is cool. And so call it green recess, and they can't use the playground. It's just unstructured, imaginative play, and see what they come up with. You know, all of a sudden, a stick is a great, I don't know, conqueror's thing. And then, you know, everything becomes really fun and cool, and make it maybe, you know, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Or I, where I taught, I structured my classroom, so I had three recesses. And so one out of my three recesses would just be free play. And they weren't allowed to use the playground, and they could just play everywhere else in the woods and around. But, um, yeah, so I know that there's difficulties with ticks and everything, and um, this, you just have to combat that. One thing I did as a teacher, I think I only have one teacher, so um, I have one in a school setting. One thing I did is on my supply list, I put um, rain boots. It was just on my supply list. You know how like you send home a supply list for your kids? One thing that was just on the requirement was, was rain boots. And I think it was probably the most random thing anyone had ever seen on their supply list. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, I taught um, her youngest son kindergarten uh, two, three years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I taught him kindergarten. One of the things I had on the supply list was rain boots. And now looking back at it, I probably would also throw in a rain jacket um, and maybe other things like that too, um, just to get them outside and comfortable. Because um, I once heard a quote that you never had bad weather, you just have bad clothes. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's all about preparation. If we're prepared, same thing in, in Michigan. Everyone's like, oh, how do you handle it? It's so cold. I'm like, no, I just put a jacket and hat on. And they're like, oh, it's so much bother to put all those clothes on. I'm like, no, it's really not. You're like ready to go face it. So I think that's exciting. All right. Um, one of the biggest things that they taught us in our, in our master's program was the importance of site development. So you need to go out and you need to look around where you live and you need to take time to do site development. So you need to decide what you need. I had a paper. There we go. Um, and you need to take an environmental inventory and go around and see what you have and see, um, you know, become familiar with it and see what you need to add to do it, add to it to make it more of a natural preserve. So I thought this story was really cool. A lot of my ideas came out of the newest Richard Louv book, which is called Vitamin N. He actually did a seminar on Grand Rapids, I think, a couple years ago. And my best friend went, um, we both used to teach at Holland. Um, and she went to the seminar and she got me this book, which is really cool. And he's signed. Not that I'm really into people um, signing things, but I just think it's pretty cool that she got me this book. And it's full of ideas about what to do outside and what to build and things. So a couple of ideas in here come from there. Um, so I think this story is really cool because I have a passion for teenagers. So I don't know how I'm going to do this back at school, but I'm going to figure it out. So there was a lady who built, um, took a, her 600-foot square backyard and turned it into a nature sanctuary. So she made sure that there was native plants 
Um, she even had like rabbits back there and ducks and a beehive and organic vegetables, all these things. And the neighborhood teens just started coming. And it became this place for them to hang out. And I think that's really cool that it became like a place. So I don't know how we can take that idea practically. You know, I don't know. It's not like you want a lot of teenagers hanging around your church or, you know, so I think your church board might put their foot down when you say, hey, I think it would be a great idea because, you know, teens get together and they can cause problems too. But um, anybody can cause problems. But, you know, I don't know. There's a creative way that somehow we could we could create a place where people just want to come to. My guess is that they wouldn't, because I've noticed when I take a big group of children, I'll do sometimes 30 or 40 kids at a time out to the garden, and there are trees on that end and no playground, that I have zero behavior problems. And when they're on the playground, it's a constant. They won't let me use the swing. It's my turn. You take them out under a tree, and they have nothing to do, and they will go in the hour with not a single fight. And I've seen over and over. Yeah, behavior problems do go down when it's more natural play instead of the, the sharing of <laughs> the monkey bars and the swing. It's true. Um, another idea that I just had, what was it? No, I just lost it. No, you're, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Um, oh, I'll, I'll, it'll come back. It'll come back. Okay, so um, one thing that I did when I, oh, I know, I just got it. When I worked at Holland, um, Holland School is placed in this ultimate location, really. The school is, is, has some fields behind it, um, but it has woods. And so I saw this perfect opportunity, because there's a creek too, so I saw a perfect opportunity to put a trail. And I guess years before, there had been a trail that had encompassed the grounds of the church. And so um, I, I proposed it to a couple people, and it was incredible. I had eight fathers, or nine or ten fathers, come up on one Sunday to help me build the trail. And they all just helped me build the trail. They were so excited, and the church people were so excited about it too, and the people who couldn't come out and help just sent me emails to say, I support you, and this is really exciting. And then the next Sunday, I took another Sunday to do it, and I had like six fathers show up. It was just incredible. They wanted to support me. They wanted to help me. So I think if you encourage your church to get on board with this, you'll be amazed how much they do want to get on board. And unfortunately, the trail never finished because I ended up moving away. But I've heard rumors that they're going to start some things up there, so I'm pretty excited about that. But something that you also need to know, a great resource is uh, people who cut down trees, they don't know what to do with all the extra wood chips. And I contacted my local tree cutter in Holland, and I actually I was driving on a field trip to a, um, a nursing home for my kids to do a little program, and there were these people cutting trees. And I was like, guys, pray that they'll still be there when we come back, because I need to ask them a question. So my little ones were in the back seat praying. We stopped, we did our program, and we came back, and they were still there cutting trees. I was like, oh, guys, yay. So I parked the car, and I ran up, and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to build a trail, and I want your wood tree, uh, tree chips. They said, oh, no problem. And also, um, our company volunteers 30 free hours a year to help programs like this. So we'll come and do the work for you or cut down the trees. And unfortunately, because it was at the end of the school year and I'm moving, it never actually ended up happening. But that's an incredible resource that you probably don't even know that might be on your fingertips. So if you want to build a trail at your church, um, go ask the tree cutters that have to cut down the trees for the electrical wires. They're, they're, they're the ones I'm talking about. They're the ones who cut down the trees and they don't know what to do all the trees. And so they shred the chips and they don't know what to do the chips. But you can have a huge resource of chips right there available to you to make some really cool trails. And I wanted to make, you know, at camp, they have these like prayer path trails. Because I think it could be used for multiple, um, multiple reasons. And so I wanted to make prayer paths and set up like little plaques of little activities to do along the trail. Like for church members 
to come, because where our church is situated, I bet a couple people could drive by on their way home from work and even stop and enjoy the trail. Or something that Sabbath afternoon, you know, you have a little picnic lunch with your family and you go and do the trail right there at the church. Like it could be an, avail an available resource to your, to your own church community in a lot of ways. So what, what outdoor education does, it, it requires you to think about things around you and what opportunities are there for you. It takes you actually being intentional to take that extra step. You know, go home and be like, okay, what's here available to me to use? I'm surrounded by this. What can I use it for to help others? Um, and so another thing that you can do too is we have, Michigan I think is really excellent about having state parks and about having little nature centers and things for families to go to. And so go and talk to them about what you want to do. And a lot of them are very open to helping you. And they'll send experts to your area where they can say, these are the native plants that grow there. And these are the things that you need. Because we have these things called invasive species. Um, so I'm not, uh, my brother loves to give me a hard time because I think he's just jealous of my masters, but he, <laughs> he loves to give me a hard time whenever we're like anywhere where we'll, we'll be driving through Utah and he's like, what's that plant? We'll be driving through Florida. What's that plant? And, and of course I don't know because my, my masters didn't make me a botanist and it didn't make me an expert in plant identification. And so I'll be like, I don't know. He's like, what did that outdoor masters do for you anyways? Like he'll always say those things because I can't identify plants. But um, so I'm not a plant expert. That's not, we never even did a class in like how to identify plants because it's so huge. How would you do it? You know, we're all teachers from all over and we're in Tennessee doing this master's, but I can learn all about Tennessee ecological environments, but that might, might not apply to Michigan and certainly not to Arizona. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And so I'm definitely not a resident expert, but there are experts out there that want to help you. And so I just, I would um, love if you guys went to your local um, I even went to one of my local peoples and they were so excited to help me. Like they were so excited to help me and they wanted to come and make sure that I had, you know, not invasive species and that I had um, native species there on my little natural life preserve. They want to help. Another thing that's really cool um, is that you can become a National Wildlife Federation certified wildlife habitat, which would be really cool and it'd be quite impressive to um, other, to your community that you were a certified Federation Wildlife Habitat. So I think that's pretty cool. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, so like the very, the, the most important thing when you go home is to start, is to look for how you can create a, a natural site, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, but try to figure out how you can create um, a site that would be a great place for learning. Um, another thing that you can do is transform your home yard into a butterfly rest stop. So there's an idea there um, about what you could plant to create a place where butterflies would love to come. And wouldn't that be awesome? Tell me your kids wouldn't love watching butterflies come. One of the things that I did in my classroom was you can buy, I'm sure you know this, but you can buy caterpillars um, for fairly inexpensive. Um, I want to say... It was like $15 for the butterfly thing and like $5. It wasn't very much at all. It was very inexpensive. And I had this whole little butterfly home in my classroom. And our, we, the kids watched the caterpillars eat. And then they watched them turn into cocoons and everything. And it was so magical because then the next day they come to class and there's butterflies flying around the little home. It was just really super fun. And I would suggest you do it even in your own homes because butterflies are one of my favorite. As a kid... When I went to Goebbels Junior Academy, our teacher took us out. Um, unfortunately, I don't know, they're just not that popular. But we uh, raise monarch butterflies, and we look on milkweed plants. 
for the monarch caterpillars. And we just would collect them ourselves and she used an aquarium just to, because, you know, on Craigslist, you guys, if you want to start outdoor things, Craigslist is a great place to look because there's random free things that people are begging to get rid of. And aquarium seems to be a surplus in the world. Um, and they get rid of aquariums really cheap. And so we would just make a butterfly habit in an aquarium. And then they would, you know, we'd watch the whole process of a butterfly. And there's tons of activities that you can do spiritually and scientifically watching the process of a butterfly. So on here, I'm not going to go through everything, but I have um, lots of information of different places you can go to get information how to do it correctly and just how to do it, like build the butterflies, gardens, or to start your own nature preserve. Um, so I'm on the next page now. Another thing that you could do is create a sun. This one I know is a little risky because of, of bees and everything in these days with our kids being super allergic to bees. But one thing that they suggested was making like a sunflower house. And you plant sunflowers and then you put white clover down as the bed and you just create this little fort of sunflowers, which I would love to try if I was a parent because, you know, I, I know my kid and if they're allergic to bees or not allergic to bees, as a teacher, I'd probably be a little bit more scared to build a giant bee attractor. <laughs> but as a parent, I would think it would be so cool that, like, my mom made me a sunflower fort. Like, how fun would that be? I think it would be super magical. And you know those sunflowers grow huge. Like, they just look awesome. And I think it would be, like, my favorite fort as a kid because I was always looking. Anything that looked like it could be a fort was a fort. And my brother got that fort, and I got that fort, and we had all sorts of adventures together. Um, another thing, I don't know if you're aware, but there's a huge problem with our bats. Um, is anybody aware of the bat issue? I know you guys know about it. Yeah, so it's called the white nose syndrome, right? And basically what happens is the bats are hibernating, and the a bat is so tiny and only has enough food for what it needs to survive during hibernation. It doesn't have enough. If he wakes up and goes away, he doesn't have enough to survive on to, to keep living because he only has enough to sleep, if that makes sense. And so this, this, this syndrome just makes them wake up because it's like their nose itches. And it's like, it's like a little allergy for them, right? So they wake up and they fly out because they think, oh, I'm awake. I'm supposed to be flying out. But then they don't have enough energy to get them back and continue on to hibernate what they need for the winter. And bats, I don't know if you realize, but bats, just like bees, are absolutely essential to our whole ecological balance. So if our bats are in trouble, guess what, <laughs> folks? You and I are in trouble because our farmers are in trouble because bats eat, um, I read somewhere like up to um, 50 billion or another, another one I read 10 billion Variety of numbers. Anyways, a lot of money that farmers use to keep insects away from their crops, bats take care of for them because bats eat millions of insects. I've heard on one account that a, um, um, a bat eats a million mosquitoes a night. Well, I don't know if that's really true, but they eat a, a, a ginormous amount is the point. And so if our bats are in trouble, we're in trouble. So something that I think we should all do, even at our churches, is, is build bat houses. Um, they do this at Camp Asabo. We have them in a couple of our cabins. But build bat houses around your church. I know you have bat droppings, so fine. Build it away. Build it, put it on a tree. You don't have to put it right under your church, you know. But build bat houses because you're actually helping our world, and you're helping the United States of America and yourself in the future by building bat houses. So if I, one thing from this seminar, everybody build a bat house. Okay, check. <laughs> Said that. Yeah, it's really literally that simple. And, um, yeah, the, the scary thing is I heard now that we have found a cure, um, but I was just reading up on it this morning, and it was the article was updated April 3, 2017, and it said that the, had spread they found a bat with white fungus in Rhode Island and Washington State. So it's now in, like, 30 states, and it's in Canada. Um, so it is a, it's, a huge, it's a huge scare that we're not talking about, but it is a big problem. 
So if we can provide housing for bats, it will help. And if you just Google like save the bats, um, you can actually be part of a database that's like other kids are joining in kind of thing, and you can be part of a huge world, uh, USI nationwide movement of like save the bats. So it's kind of cool because you can track it and you can do different science experiments. There's a whole educational resource with like save the bats. So that's something that's really cool. Um, another thing that you can do is build bird houses. Birds are so fun. In fact, um, I live in Tennessee, and um, I have a wonderful little house that makes me feel so happy. It's not mine, but it's really fun to have a house. And uh, sometimes I just feel like a vagabond. I'm just like, I just want a home to rest in. But it's okay, Lord. I'm okay. Um, I'll keep going. And anyways, I have a little porch. And they, when, they, when I moved into it, the house was not really ready for me. But they surprised me and some of my students and um, even my principal like mowed my lawns and made little, um, like little bit of um, landscaping for me and did my front gardens. And they gave me hanging baskets. And uh, at the beginning of, well, at the end of the school year, all of a sudden, I realized there was a nest in one of the hanging baskets, and I got to watch the whole process of the eggs being cracked open and the birds coming out. And I would just pick up the hanging basket and look at my little baby, and I'm like, I have babies, and it was so cute and so fun. And if I have that much thrill about it, like think about how much more like joy you would have, like your students would have it or your kids would have out of it. And I don't know, this is one thing that I keep telling everyone that I meet, I'm like, this seminar is not just for like kids, because all of us need more time in nature, because it's all about that sense of wonder. Like, Sometimes I just think we get we get bored in our walk with God, and it's anything but boring. And I think nature, honestly, is the key to make it not boring again, because you're you're quickly reminded in nature that you're the created, not a creator, and that and it takes nature to remind you that you're the created, not the creator, because <laughs> otherwise, you know, you're pretty cool. You're, you're a kingdom of your own house, and you're you're accomplishing a lot with your family or at your job. So there's nothing in that family or job to remind you that you are the created. But as soon as you go outside, it's real quick like to remember that you're not really anything, especially when you garden. You're like, okay, Lord, it's only you that's going to help make this become something. Oh, the bald eagle camp. Yeah. Oh, the live cam you're talking about. Yeah, you can go online. You remind me of the resource for that one. I don't think I wrote that one down. You just look up live cam. Yeah, it's just live. So just try Googling live cam bald eagles. And um, it's, it, yeah, I think there's, there's several live cam. Maybe just try looking up live cam natural wildlife and see different what animals you can watch out there. A barn owl, very cool. So here's a random idea. What if we turned that on while we, while we ate our meals as a family, but you couldn't look at the screen? So you still were like interacting as a family, but you were almost like interacting outside on a picnic, right? So, because you know, I do not like technology to like always be looking at it, um, but it, we, let's turn it on its head. So face the screen away, so you can still be interacting as a family, but you're all of a sudden you're not just at a table, you're at you're outside, and I don't know. Let your kids come up with the story. You're in Africa, you, you know. Turn on the Africa live cam. You know, all of a sudden you're in Africa eating now. You know, and you use use food from the garden to create food um, from that place, and you're in Asia watching pandas. Or I don't know. You know, just. Turn on the sounds and let, let the Lord take you. Because I really, honestly, Ellen White talks about how we're going to have more senses in heaven. I don't know if I don't have any reason for this, but I think music is going to be our other sense. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I love to, to drive with soundtracks <laughs> playing in the background. And all of a sudden, I'm not just driving down a road. I'm like driving through this magical place in heaven. And I don't know, music adds this wonderful sense. 
to my life. I just love music. I just feel like maybe the flowers are going to sing in heaven. <laughs> like they're going to belong. Like, oh, look at the flower just came open. I don't know, but I love music. And so I just love sounds. I'm very excited about sounds. And so I'm sure our kids are really excited about sounds. So see how you can incorporate sounds into your, into your house or into your classroom time. I think it's really great. You had something else you wanted to add? I was just going to say it's relative. All right, just repeat for the recording because I got in trouble for doing that. So um, there is an opportunity that's not very expensive to buy a, a microphone for outside. In fact, at Camp Asaba, we had one of those. I'm sure you, if, if anyone has come to camp, there's that big yard when you first, that big window when you first come into the nature center. And right outside the window, there's a little microphone. And so you're not just watching the squirrels, you're hearing the squirrels. And for some reason, when we're out in nature, I don't know why, but we don't hear the squirrels. Uh, that's one idea I have later that I think is so fun. But I'll show it to you in a minute. But there's, there's, there's all these sounds when that microphone's there that's highlighted that you just don't even notice. And it's super easy for us just to, when we go out in nature, just to use our eyes. But that's the cool thing about nature is you get to use all your five senses compared to when you're reading a book. It's really hard to use all your five senses. And nature is just natural. But we have to learn because, honestly, we're only used to our eyes. And we trust our eyes, which is so dangerous when you think about that with so many different cool spiritual applications. You could take that. You know, there's just... That's another thing. Tomorrow, I can't wait to show you. There's so many. It's just natural to go to God in nature. It's just almost impossible not to. So you can easily make a parallel about how dangerous it is to judge people. You know, when we just use our eyes, how dangerous is that? We need to listen to what they're saying before we just look with our eyes and decide. And that's the cool thing about nature. It makes you listen. It makes you smell. It longs for you to touch. Remember, we talked about physical touch and how our, our, we need physical touch. And so nature just creates all these opportunities to do this. Um, so, oh yeah, so the microphone's outside, let me just refer, um, and then we can also buy live cams to watch things right outside our windows. All right, another thing that you can do is make a mini pond. This is super easy. Um, you know, at Walmart you can get those, um, kiddie pools, but fairly inexpensive. And there's an idea here about how to make a little mini pond using the kiddie pool, and, uh, you can watch, you know, amphibious and aquatic animals right there in your own little own little pond, which would be super, super fun. Uh, okay, so after you've made your opportunities, because I don't know, some of you maybe live in areas that you don't feel like you have a lot of resources, so make some of your own mini ones, you know? Make your own little mini pond. If you live in a neighborhood, you can still make a little mini pond in your little one acre, half acre. You know, I don't know what's available to you, but it's super important that you, that you look around and see if your child actually has opportunities to interact. Um, I even told my friend, she lives in a suburb, and I said, I want you to take part of your lawn, take out the grass, and use a hose and make it really muddy. And I was like, simply by having your kids play in the mud, that's a great opportunity for them. So she literally has this tiny backyard fence, probably the size of this room. That's like all her backyard is, right? And I said, just take a part of it and, and make it muddy in that little area. They can play with worms. They can, you can measure worms. You know, there's, even if you just create a little mud hole. I said, I know, she has two little boys. I was like, I know that sounds intimidating, but make a little mud hole and you won't regret it. Because one of her little boys is extremely hyperactive. She's like, I don't know why. They're excellent parents, but this kid is just the most hyperactive kid you've ever met in your life. He's awesome. And um, <laughs> I don't know. And I think he's fun. Anyways, but I said, make a mud area. And you'll find that that helps calm him. You'll find that if you don't know what to do, put him in some clothes or not and just go let him play in the mud hole, you know. And so it's just super important that when you go home, you say, okay, honestly, what does my kid have for opportunities to interact with nature? And then you yourself, 
how about you? Where is your spot to interact with, inter, interact with nature? You know, where is your sit spot? We're going to talk about that more tomorrow. But it's just super important. Just like, you know, we talk about devotions, having a regular place inside your house, you know, like the war room, that movie with her prayer closet, you know, how awesome if we have our prayer closet, our war rooms outside in the sunflower house that we built, you know, think about how more connected you're going to feel with the creator when you're in his creation instead of our creation, which is our four walls, right? Um, okay, so here's some other fun ideas. Make your own paint. Um, kids would love this. I know as a kid, I used to try to make my own um, perfume. That was a, a fail, but it was a great idea to try to make your own perfume. Um, but there's really cool th ways that you can make your own paint out of nature. Um, there's a, a site there to go look at it too. You can also create art with the sun. I'll let you look at that idea. Um, making a flower press art. Um, there's, there's so many cool things to do with, with pressing different things. Um, another idea is when you go on a nature walk, um, simply just put a piece of tape around your wrist, even you yourself, or if you take a group of, of teenagers out or kids out, put a piece of tape out and just have them stick things to that piece of tape. Now they're not just going on a walk to interacting, you know, and as, as you know, I, I don't know, maybe your kids are perfect, but when my parents said, we're going to go for a walk, I'm, no, I don't want to go for a walk. I, walks are so boring. I hated walking. Now I'm like turning to my mother, let's go for a walk. Oh, what's wrong with me? But <laughs> I was like, bless my mother for helping me want to do it. But at the time as a kid, I thought walks were really boring. So if you want to like go for a walk with your kid, put a piece of tape around their wrist. And I bet they'll love the walk now because they can put you know, little things on their piece of tape. Another thing that you can buy is, um, the sticky clear stuff that's sticky on both sides. It's like um, it's like the stuff you put on things to laminate things. I don't really know what it's like. It's like contact paper, but it's sticky on both sides. And I would cut it out and I put it on their bellies, <laughs> um, and I would I would tape it to their bellies. And then when they walked outside, they could put as much as they wanted on their bellies. Oh, they loved it. And then when we came back, I would take the sticky stuff and I would put it on like this card hard cardboard. And so then we had art because whatever display they made, and it turned out really cute. Like the things that they put on that was actually really precious. And the stuff looked cool. Like the kids were like, whoa, how'd you make this? And I was like, we just went for a walk. <laughs> like it was really fun. And so any time that you can do um, something to the next level, that's all you have to think too as an outdoor educator is like you kind of have to pre-think a little bit and be like, what can I do with what I'm, where I'm going out? And I know that's more natural to think as a teacher than maybe as a parent, but I think you'll find that if you pray before you leave, the Lord just does it for you. Like, I know that sounds really maybe not too simple, but honestly, I pray a lot. And I feel like the Lord is the one who does the work because it is, he's wanting to commune with your child. You know, that's not, that's the point. Not so much so they learn great things about nature, but so that they learn to commune with their creator. So if he wants to talk to them, don't you think he's going to come up with the ideas to talk to them? If he's longing to talk to your child or longing to talk to you, he's going to help you come up with creative ways to talk to him. Yeah, that would be a great idea. So take the art that they do and then take one thing off the art and come up with spiritual points. It's so easy to come up with a spiritual object lesson out of things in nature. And well, I'm going to show you how to do that tomorrow. It's seriously like my favorite thing to talk about. Um, another thing that you can do too is like with is leaf presses. You know, I'm sure you've done that. You've gathered leaves and you can gather flowers and you just take corrugated cardboard and um, you can have a whole cold display and you can make plastic folders and all the different things, a lot of your collections, and then you can make tree identification um, guides and all those fun things. Um, all right, so English um, is one of the things I enjoy doing. 
And so here are some ideas about how to do English outside. When I taught the little ones, um, I used this, and I love this. Um, and so what it is is half the paper is blank, and half the paper is, is writing for their level. And what we would do is um, we would go outside, and they would draw about what they saw, and then we'd come back in, and we would write about it, and I'd help them write because they were K2, so it was super hard to help them write outside. If they were older, then I would have them draw and write, but obviously, you know, running around with sticky notes helping them spell, K2 is a little bit difficult. So I'd have them draw, and then they'd be much more inspired to write. You know, compared to if I read them a book, they'd be like, I don't know what to write about. They didn't really have problems writing when I took them outside. They were much more inspired. It goes back to that first point we made on Monday and the fact that nature just makes you be creative. It just naturally makes you be more creative. So here's some fun things that you can do. Um, have kids write about something that they think is ugly. And all of a sudden, it's not so ugly when you look up more closely at it. And maybe that's another spiritual point. You know, things appear one way, but when we look closer, people are actually really cool. Our first, our first um, impression of a person may not always be the most accurate impression of the person. Um, create rock or pebble poetry. Uh, kids can write words on the rocks, and then they can rearrange. You know how the, those magnets? I don't know if you have parents have those magnets on your refrigerator of words. Um, I did as a kid, and you can, like, make different things with the words. But why not do it with rocks? You know, so if you want a quiet activity while you're cooking lunch or cooking dinner or whatever, you know, get a whole big collection of rocks and write words on them and have your kids then come up with stories using those words. And they can pull out words um, on the rocks and come up with a whole story just based on, like, okay, you pick out three words and now tell me a story. Or, you know, there's lots of really cool things you can do. We use manipulatives a lot in real life and as teachers, probably more than you realize, but turn those manipulatives into nature objects. You know, bring in rocks inside your house. Um, it's super fun. All right, another thing, too, is to go outside and just write outside when you have older kids. I think that's a really great thing to do. Haikus um, is a form of Japanese poetry, and it's super easy to do those outside. Uh, I'll let you read more about those. Um, next one, oh, this is one of my favorites. So what you can do is sometimes it's hard. You know, we have writer, writer's block. Um, you can take your kids outside and you have them use all natural materials to come up with a scene. So it can be, it can be you know, a whole series of scenes where they, they plot out their entire story using natural materials, or it can just be one scene. Like I, I had to, when I'm doing my master's, I had to make up a childhood memory. So I made my farm, and I made the, the rows of fences, and I used all these trees and pine cones sticking out to equal different things on my farm, and then I had to write a story as if I was back in my little mini world. And so what you're doing is you're creating the scene for the picture in your mind, and then it's super easy to then write a story because you've created exactly the picture that you want. And so it's super fun to do that with, um, with natural materials. I did this actually, I'll just do a little quick thing for tomorrow, but I did this with my backpackers. Um, what we did for a Sabbath afternoon activity is they had to go and they had to make something from a Bible story or something of God's character using natural materials. And then we walked around to each of them and we had to guess what it was. So um, it was super awesome. Someone made, it was incredible, they made the whole little house and then cut out the top part for the lowering down of the man with the four friends. Like, it was incredible. Some of this, I was like, whew. And I had just stuck, like, little sticks, and I had done um, the story of Jonathan and the Phyllis, um, his armor bearer, where he said, I'm going to come up um, and attack. 
And so I had like, because I had this stump, and so I just naturally made this cliff or whatever, and I had all these little sticks up at the top to be tons and tons of shoulders and two little sticks down at the bottom, and no one had any idea what it was because I'm not super good with the art world, but I thought it was cool. But it was just honestly a bunch of little sticks like this, and they looked like people to me, but I was like, what is that? I was like, we have to get really down close to the magnifying glass to see mine, but it was fun. All right, another thing that you can do is create your own handmade books. Um, out of treasures found from the natural world. Contact paper creates a world of possibilities because <laughs> you can make things on your paper and then you just put contact paper and you can make a really cool book and then just put a three, uh, or just punch a hole in it and then use one of those big rings and then just make it like a flip book that you go through. You know, it's really cool to do that. Um, another thing that's really just kind of random that I saw online was just have them go and paint sticks. Um, get a collection of sticks and sit on the pavement somewhere and just paint the sticks. I, they'd, go, they'd probably be very entertained for a long time painting sticks outside and then it's not making a mess in your house uh, and there's all cool things that they can do then with their painted sticks. <laughs> I like ideas. So take what you want. I like to take an idea and then make it my own or it's funny how one idea kind of inspires another idea and it's fun. All right, before I keep going, does anybody have um, any ideas? that they've been inspired that they would like to share. And I'm going to be better about walking around. Because I know I have a couple of you in here, I'm so sorry, that were here last year. So maybe you've taken my ideas and gone with it. When I lived in Michigan, our garden was bigger than I could handle. And our boys were not super excited about gardening. And so I would always give them a portion of the garden. And they would never grow anything in it, but they would dig as deep of holes as they could. <laughs> and then they would dig other sh more shallow holes and rivers and walkways, and then they would collect things as they'd found them, like turtles and toads. And we had two geese, and so they would put them all in their lake, and then they would have cars and turtles and frogs, and they would expand past their garden area, and, <laughs> and we just had a waterway village, and then they would, they'd, it was fun, they'd even put cars like on their turtles that would float through there. <laughs> They're pretty easygoing turtles, obviously, painted turtles. Um, Have you ever seen a not easygoing turtle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was just the way that I got them to be more happily involved in the garden time. And it made it easier when I did need to have them take breaks to weed. <laughs> Anybody else have any ideas that they felt? This is not really an idea per se, but just some experiences we had. Uh, we used to live in a subdivision, and we had a big pond, a couple of ponds, and the boys would explore, and they'd see the animals, and they'd go fishing and stuff like that, and get the fish back. But then we moved on to 11 acres, and for the first couple of years, I was homeschooling, and um, I'm still doing that today, um, and they would be out there, but they wouldn't, we wouldn't really notice things. You know, we were just, you know, we were in the house a lot, and we'd go out once in a while. My husband was in charge of the garden, and then we started the sunlight education program. <clears throat> and we started getting out and note, um, being more involved with the nature. And so everything became a live camp. I mean, there was a goose, right? Uh, we have a marsh in front of our property. There was a goose laying eggs. We had our telescope right on it. Mm -hmm. Until all the weeds, all the brush covered it. But we saw the babies one day walking across the yard. You know, so we knew they had hatched. And then just recently, we had a couple um, grackles. Um, they build a nest in a big pine spire. And one of the babies fell out. Mm -hmm. And it was right by the door. I found it one morning. I'm like, oh, 
can't let it die, and the kids were sleeping. My husband said, just, let, just leave it there. I'm like, no, you can't let it die. So we put it in a box. Uh, we were incubating eggs, too, at that time. And the kids were just, they just loved the little baby, and we, I said, we have to put it back. So I found the nest up, so I climbed the ladder, put it back. And every day, one baby would fall out of the nest. <laughs> so we kept putting it back. It was like five days before camp meeting. We can't keep these. We can't take care of them. We kept putting them back. And the thing is, so, and the parents were feeding them still, so they didn't reject them. And before we left, they were still snug in there. One of them had jumped out. I guess it was ready to jump out. But the point is, what I'm trying to say is um, that they started appreciating nature and loving the actual animals. Mm. So here at camp meeting, my youngest son found a dead sparrow, and he was crying. And I went back with him. I said, let's put it under the tree. And we recited Psalm 23. <laughs> and I just said, you, I told him, you, I, you have the heart of Jesus. I mean, you're, you, you care so much for this little animal. And this is how we progressed in our love for God and his creation in nature. Yes, thank you. Yeah, by caring for his creation, we definitely learn to care more for others. Because creation, as much as it's very independent, it's amazing how much of a role or impact we have to play on creation and how much we can hurt it. It really makes you realize how much you can be a hurtful person. Because you can, you know, all of a sudden when you're conscious, I know I had little ones, Miss Angela, I can't step on the grass. I'm going to kill everything. You know, like, <laughs> you just start thinking about things differently as you interact with nature, and it helps you to have a more caring heart of the heart of Jesus. Right, anyone else have any other ideas that they wanted to share? <laughs> we took some nature walks uh, last year in the fall, and we would catch bugs, and then we would um, bring them home and use micros, we, well, by home, in from the backyard, you know, <laughs> sometimes, and we would, um, we, we drew the bugs, like, and we got magnifying glasses so we could look really up close, and then, like, even closer and even closer, and dragonflies really are cool. I know you mentioned dragonflies, but they're, um, they're wings in the pictures, but I wish I could show you some of the pictures that my you know, six-year-old, or maybe he was even five then, Drew, because it was amazing how interested he was in the details of that dragonfly. And again, it did speak of our creator mm -hmm. because, you know, he designed even just that teensy little bug. Mm -hmm. So, And I'm going to share with you about dragonflies tomorrow, but dragonflies have an interesting lifespan. So when you, when you realize how, how long some dragonflies live, it makes you really get excited when you actually see one. So we'll leave that little cliffhanger for tomorrow. Um, any other buddy have any other ideas to share? <laughs> I'm not looking at anybody particular. All right, so let's keep moving on. Um, another thing with language arts, a couple other ones um, that you can do is just simply um, do sit spots. So take a take a yarn. And because kids often need to, to be directed to, to learn to look deeper and look closer. So you can take a piece of yarn, and I did this and I did it totally wrong. But when I was teaching my little ones, I, I did a huge yarn area. I let them go out and I let them pick where we wanted, they wanted me to tie their yarn. And so they had like, I don't know, a, a big square, probably maybe let's say four foot by like four foot, you know. And well, all they would do is play and they weren't observing anything because it was four feet by four feet. So now it was a fort. You know, and, and um, it wasn't really an observational spot, but if you just um, rope off, like simply, let's say one foot by two foot, or maybe two feet by two feet, just a little area, and have them sit right next to it, and then bring out a magnifying class and look closely at what else is going on in that little area. 
and then have them draw pictures, have them write about it. You know, there's many opportunities when you can teach them to direct their attention because we live in a world that grabs, grabs, grabs our attention. And so life can seem really boring unless we learn, teach them how to have that directed attention. And um, once they learn to have that directed attention, I think you'll find that they can sit there for hours when they learn to look with different eyes. But it's a matter of teaching them how to put on different eyes. Um, another thing that you could have them do if you have older kids is simply give them a quote, um, an Ellen White quote or a Bible verse, right on the top of their journal. Have them take it outside and have them sit and think about that quote and write you a response. Because when you put them in four walls, all of a sudden it's like something goes out of their brain and they, they have to stop thinking. And But you take them outside and all of a sudden they can think about that quote. And what's really cool is it's really hard for them not to relate it to something to themselves. And remember, if you can relate something to yourself, you're more apt to remember it, right? And it's really easy when they're out. Then all of a sudden it turns into a simple response writing activity into a, um, an experiential educational experience where they're actually experiencing the quote, if that makes sense. All right. So as much as you can, that's what they have to do is turn on those outdoor minds. Whatever you're doing, say, can I take this outdoors? Is there a way that I can take this activity that I'm doing and can I do it outdoors? Um, that's what we want to learn how to do. Um, I talked about, oh, I think I had one more thing to do too. This is something I totally can't believe I didn't do with my students, but I teach at an academy that has a million and one things going on at all times. But one thing that I really wanted to do is I wanted to take them, and I can't say this, but it's Chimiwanga, it's not it's totally not close, Chimichu, I don't know. But it's this battle site in Tennessee of the Civil War. And I wanted to take them there, and then I wanted them to have a, write, a short story or a story as if they're experiencing the battle there themselves. But if they were there at the location, I think they'd be more apt to be able to write an awesome story compared to if I just told them, hey, you know, we're in our little, we're in our little classroom, I want you to write a short story as if you were a soldier in the Civil War. But if I take them to the battle site and I have them write a story as if they were there at that battle site, think about how much more awesome their stories are going to be. So there's lots of historical landmarks. Now, you don't have to do this with just older ones. You can do it with little ones as well. You know, study something about Native Americans and then take them to a place. You know, there's Native American history in Michigan. There's a lot of history in Michigan. There's Adventist history in Michigan, too. You know, talk about it and then have them go to it and sit and write. Um, I'm sure the Adventist Historic Village will not mind if you take your child with a journal to sit there and write. Um, in the yard as if they are Willie or if they are one of the kids, you know. Um, take them to one of the lighthouses and have them write a story about what it would be like to have been one of the great explorers because Lake Michigan looks like an ocean. So as much as we don't have maybe the privilege of an ocean, have them write the story, but they're sitting at Lake Michigan as if they were one of those voyagers crossing the ocean and imagine how hard it would be to like, are we ever going to see the end of this? Are we ever going to see land? Because they're looking across Lake Michigan. So do, am I helping you understand how to do it? It's just a matter of what am I doing would this story work outside? Can I take it outside? Um, all right, so the Nature Safari we talked about yesterday. If you're stuck in traffic, entertain yourself and your kids by keeping an eye out for plants, animals, or other natural curiosities on the side of the road. Don't forget to look up. Watch clouds and birds. If you see something really intriguing, pull over and take a look. That's one thing I love about nature. It really makes you live at life at a different pace. You cannot be fast. I remember I was uh, trying to accomplish a goal with my kids and I was like, I want to finish the whole path. And I was like, I'm missing everything by just trying to finish the path. Because I had I built a lot of the path at the school. And so I just wanted to get them around the path. And, you know, I only have 15 or 20 minutes for, work, for recess. And my goal was just to get around the path. Well, we totally missed everything by not just taking time. So you have to understand that nature does make you kind of forget that you have a clock, which isn't such a bad thing, is it? 
you know, to forget that you have a clock. And so, yeah, I'm sure that as a mother, when you're tired, I despise grocery shopping as a single person. So wait till I have kids, I'll probably despise it like 10 times more. <laughs> um, but you know, when you're, when you're doing your errands and you're driving back on the highway and your kid sees something really cool, why not pull over and go look at it, you know, safely? Safely, take your car off the road quite a ways. But, you know, take time to, sh to show your kids that there's something more important than just accomplishing the task. You know, because often we just, we're very goal-oriented and it's just about getting that task finished. But there's more to life than just checking the boxes. And somehow we need to teach that to our kids and maybe teach it to ourselves. And, <laughs> and nature just has a great way of, of forcing you to slow down because you really can't do it fast. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned about this recently was I took um, a group of kids backpacking, some of my teenagers, at the school, and we didn't really have it planned. I was super stressed, and I had a lot of things up on my plate, but I really wanted to give them one more opportunity to go backpacking before the end of the school year. And I had a group of kids who hadn't been able to go on any of my other trips because of music trips, and they were seniors and different things. And so I had a group of like 12, 13 kids, six of them were seniors, that were going to go on this backpacking trip. And I have two other people that helped me, and so I was like, you guys just plan it, and I'll go. You know, I'm kind of helping you plan it from the background. And so we go, but we didn't really, none of us had really planned anything. And so on the way there, we're driving, and it's Friday night, and it's late, and it's raining. I'm like, oh, Lord, please help it not to be raining on us again. And so we're driving, and I was, like, talking to my seatmate, and I said, okay, what's going to be our spiritual theme of the weekend? Because I think you have to be very intentional about, you know, setting themes. Your kids, you learn better in a theme. Like, I guarantee you, when you come back from this camp meeting, you're going to be like, wow, I wonder what I learned this week. Because you're all over, right? You went to my seminar, you learned something awesome. You went to the night meetings, you learned something awesome. And you're all over because you learned all these great things, but it's not all connected. I'm not saying it's bad about camp meeting, but I'm saying it's very difficult for your child as well when things are all over. So as much as you can theme it, you know, pick a, pick a weekly theme at home. Even if you're not, like, homeschooling your kids, Pick a weekly theme for what your family worships are going to be about. And, and just try to the them thematize. I don't think that's a word. Thematize. <laughs> I invented it. Thematize your life. Or just thematize your weeks. You know, try to pick a theme and follow that theme and connect things. And what's really cool, I don't know about you, but in my personal walk with the Lord, when I, when I pick a theme, it's really easy for everything to relate back to that. And it's really easy for the Lord to be like, oh, let me encourage you through this. Let me encourage you through this because I started with something in my devotional Monday morning and everything kind of pointed back to that. So thematize as much as you can and, um, and pick a theme and then um, just see how God shows you through nature. I don't remember how I got off on that track. But oh well, hopefully it's a good one. Oh, backpacking show. Thank you. Okay. So, um, so, uh-huh. No, no, that was the first one where I almost had a mutiny on my hands because my kids were mad at me because it was raining. That was a whole nother story in of itself. We won't go into that one, but we'll go into this one. So I, um, you can have this one. And so, okay, so we get there. I, I didn't, okay, so um, it's chaos. I'm probably, you're okay. I'm okay. I'll figure it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm such a micromanager, Lord help me. Okay, um, so we, we get there Friday night, and we, we set up camp. We had planned to set up camp there, not really backpack very much, and then the next day we would pick our backpacking route. I didn't even know where we were going. So we arrived, we woke up the next morning, and the other guy was like, okay, these are our three options. We can either hike um, like one mile and do this little thing and just camp and kind of figure out little like day trips to do. We can hike four or three, or we can do 19. 
and do a big loop where there's this cabin that we can go see and, and come back. And so some of the kids were like, oh, I don't care. And some of the kids, oh, I want to do the 19 mile. And me and my beginning stages of life <laughs> was like, yeah, you know, 11 miles like one day and, and eight miles another day. That doesn't sound that hard. I mean, you can, the average person, I know your faces. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but you know, you walk out thinking, okay, average mile is 15 minutes a mile. So 15 minutes a mile, 19, two or three hours, we'll get eight miles done. Like, it's not a big deal. <clears throat> Uh, so on the way, remember I told you that my, my partner and I had been talking about what could be our spiritual theme for the weekend. And I was like, oh, we have a lot of seniors and a lot of seniors that are really struggling with what to do with their lives, where to go for college. So why don't we make it reflection and direction is our weekend? Because I really have been recently convicted that you really honestly can't get direction from God unless you first have reflection. And often um, the, the best advice I ever got was when you're feeling confused and you don't know where God wants you to go, Take, go back to the last time in your life that it was super clear to you, when it was last super clear. And often if you start from there, then God shows you where to go now. And so by going back, it often tells you where to go now. And so I was like, let's do reflection and direction. Okay, just keep that in the back of your minds, right? So the kids vote 19-mile hike. Do you think they had any time for reflection? No, because on Saturday, we got up, we had breakfast, we did a worship. I, I introduced my great theme that I thought was so awesome, reflection and direction. Here we go. And then we go and hike 10 miles. <laughs> did we have any time for reflection? No, because it was just about accomplishing that goal. So even in nature, we can totally miss the boat. Like, um, we, we hiked 10 miles, we made it to our campsite, my kids were absolutely exhausted, bless their hearts, and then we, we saw this, we wanted to go swimming at this waterfall, but we didn't feel there was enough time, so we just, we played for like 30 minutes in the waterfall, and then we kept going, but we like, we'll look for water to swim there, we looked at the map, and like, oh, there's like a river here, and so we got to our campsite, and we like, like, we're going to go find that river. And so we're not even on the trail anymore. We're just, like, going down this very steep mountain. Like, that's a cliff. How are we going to get down to the river? We can see it. And so we're trying to get down just to let the kids swim. And, like, the kids, like, half of them are like, forget this. I'm already tired. I have to get back out of this. I already went 10 miles. We have nine miles to go tomorrow. So they went back. But a couple of us made it down to the river and had an awesome time. And I said that was the point, was just to enjoy what we're doing now for 30 minutes before sunset that only half the kids enjoyed. But I was so, you know, I wanted to accomplish it too. 19 miles sound way cooler than two or three miles, you know? And so then on Sunday, we hike out. We didn't, honestly, it was just get out of here, get out of here. Like, we all just hiked. We, we kind of talked, but it was like nine miles, let's go, because we were exhausted from our 10 miles. And um, in the van when we were riding back, I told the kids, I was like, guys, can I just have five minutes of your time? I was like, you know, this is, this is, a huge fault on my part. And I would just like to say, I'm sorry for cheating you out of an incredible experience. But I hope that you take one thing from it. And that is the fact that life in of itself is crazy and busy and wonderful. And you want to accomplish great things. But you're going to miss out on a whole lot if you don't learn to stop. You're just going to miss out on a whole lot. And as much as it wasn't a sin for us to go do 19 miles, it wasn't wrong. And it's often not wrong things that fill our life. It's just what fills your life. <laughs> And we didn't take, I was like, I cheated you. This weekend, you didn't, you didn't leave with any direction where God wants you to go next year. And I'm sorry, because I didn't create any opportunities for you to look for any direction in your life. And so, you know, when you get frustrated that God's not showing you where to go with your life, that's maybe just because you're not taking the time to honestly look, because you're trying to accomplish all the other things that are good. And so they listened, and they smiled, and they were sweet. They were like, no, it was really fun. And I'm like, I think they're missing the point still, Lord. But, but they, were, they, were, they were like, no, we're, you know, we did it. It was great. And 
but they listened. And I don't know what seeds were planted, but I'm hoping that will be a, a thing that will over, forever sink in their minds that 19 miles wasn't maybe worth it. But I think 19 miles is like, check, I just did 19 miles, you know? And so it's just very natural for us to think that way. All right, continuing on. Uh, make an outdoor coupon book. I think this is really cool. I think your kids would love this. And so they can make a little coupon book. And um, whenever they, you, they can make it. So let's say whenever they give you this coupon, it means, Mom, you and I are going to go play in the dirt for 20 minutes or whatever. And, and whatever you're doing, you have to stop and go and play with them and do that. And they can give you these coupons whenever. Or maybe you make it for your child. And like, when I give you this coupon, then we're going to go do something together. You know, or maybe with a friend, it suggests there too. So tree climbing, which would be awesome. Um, stargazing, you know, one, one night your child's going to come to you and be like, Mom and Dad, tonight's the night. You're like, no, not tonight. <laughs> you know, so I don't know how possible this is. You might have to, you can make, you know, framing things like, oh, by the way, you can't use it on this and this and this kind of days. You know, because maybe that, that's kind of necessary. But I think the outdoor coupon book would be super fun. Because I'm sure you've seen those like Mother Day coupon books. Um, but why not make an outdoor coupon book? And the sky's the limit for what you fits in your lifestyle for what could be put on the coupons. And maybe just for those of us who don't have families, maybe for, for friends, you know, like how to just go do something with a friend and be like, hey, I sent you that coupon in the mail, so let's go, let's go do that hike that we wanted to go do together that we haven't done. Just don't go 19 miles. Nine, uh, 19 miles in two days. Please, Lord, tell me what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, nature trail guide. So this is a really cool thing to do. Uh, wherever you are, wherever your territory is that you're going to use for your environmental outdoor learning laboratory, think of, um, of a ways to, to make it so it's really your child's. And so there's lots of cool things that they can do where they, they go out and they do the research or the history of that specific area of land, uh, what else happened on that land they might think is super cool. Uh, identify different plants and like you can make this whole guide that other people can enjoy if it's at your church. You know, the trail guide, they pick up the little trail guide before they do the trail. Um, if it's in your backyard that, you know, maybe somebody who comes over, a friend who comes over can go through the trail guide. You can make, um, uh, what am I looking for? Like um, treasure hunts in your trail guide. You know, go find certain things along the trail. Um, identify trees along the trail. You can even, if you have older kids, I don't want you to feel like this is just for little kids. There's so many possibilities with older kids as well that are really cool. And so have them really do some research about what kind of rock types there and rock formations. And I know we don't have a lot of like noticeable rocks in Michigan, but we do have a lot of rocks in Michigan. So don't be afraid that we can't find some really cool geological things to study here in Michigan. So if, Yes. Yes. Google is an incredible resource. If, if you just need an idea for something you're doing, just type in outdoor activity for multiplication, outdoor activity for um, writing. You just name it. You know, just type in outdoor activity for this, and it's amazing. Um, with the help of Beth, I think I might try to set up a, a Pinterest board. I've actually not used Pinterest. <laughs> so I'm going to try. I kind of tried one time and it was like super overwhelming. Actually, I did the first year as a teacher. And I said, well, now that I feel like I failed as a teacher, I'm never going to look at Pinterest again. Because I saw their like amazing classrooms with all these decorations and everything was thematic. And I was like, I just got into my classroom and I said, okay, what am I going to do now? Oh, so like Pinterest just, Pinterest just made me feel like, wow, now that there's like a million really cool things out there, let me never take pictures of my classroom. <laughs> 
Um, and so I, I got off Pinterest for good after that first experience. <laughs> you know, but maybe that's like, you know, when we go to the Bible, we should feel the same way too. Whoa, Lord, I'm so off the, off the chart, but that doesn't get, make me stop reading the Bible, right? Because there's awesome things for me to grow from. So maybe I shouldn't be so afraid of finding that I'm not as perfect as I thought I was. <laughs> that's what Pinterest does to me. <laughs> and but, if we do that mm-hmm. together, then we could on Yeah, so and on Pinterest... On Pinterest, we can have share boards, and I guess we can look at each other's boards and things. And so I'm going to try to set up like Pinterest boards and then like, like lots of different folders. So here's the board for math, and here's the board for English, and here's the board for primary level, here's the board for high school, you know, and that way then we can all share. And pictures um, give you quick ideas and lots of cool things. And that's one thing that's really nice about Pinterest. All right, webbing, this is just a fun game. I love games, I really love games. And I love to teach a lot of awesome spiritual applications through games. And this one is fun. It's called webbing. And basically what you do is you have your kids or adults form a circle. And then me as the leader, I have the ball of string. And I ask them to name a plant that grows in this area. So one thing that's really cool about games is it can be a great way to review what you've just learned outside. So, you know, you ask them, okay, what's something that grows in this area? Great. And then you throw the ball. And then you say, okay, now what's something that eats that plant? Okay, and then, like she says, all right, that, and then that's something that eats that plant, and then what's something maybe that eats that? And you just, you make the food chain, or you make things that enjoy or need that, you know, not just, we all need plants, right, because we all need the oxygen from them. So you can almost name off anything that benefits from whatever was the last thing mentioned, right? So soon you're going to have this, this massive web of string, and then you start doing cool things, like saying, okay, what happens if there's a drought, and you pull I'm like, okay, this plant now suffers because of the drought. And you realize, oh, wait, my string just pulled. Oh, wait, my string just pulled. And it's amazing how everything in the environment is affected by something else. And how easy is it now to pull a spiritual application out of that little activity, right? You know, in a church, we're a church family. And if, if my brother or sister is hurting, I should be hurting, right? And if I'm not hurting and I'm just judging, then I'm, I'm, something's not right, right? When, when the, we are a circle, and just like in that ecological environment, when something else is hurt, that thing is hurt. And in my church, when someone else is hurt, I'm hurting. I'm not judging, but I'm hurting too. Um, because we're all, we all need each other. We're a family that's so dependent upon each other. I know that for me as a single person, I am so dependent on my church family for that support, right? And just as a family, I'm sure you're just as dependent. Your children are dependent on their, on their friends. You know, your children are extremely interrelated with other people. And so it's so important that you realize that you have an effect on other people. So webbing's a great game. Another game that's super fun is, um, I play this with my outdoor ed students, but you know the game rock, paper, scissors? You can do this with the food chain as well. So you think of, you think of three things um, that all are um, affected. Now you guys want to help me remember what were the three things that we chose? Frog eats, you guys remember that? Oh great, <laughs> depending on you, Steve. But then what, and then, oh and then fungus. We always had to use fungus. Okay, so we did frog, this, I don't think it's what we did, but we'll do it. Oh, no, I know, we did beaver, coyote, and fungus, I think, is what we did. But there's lots of things you can do, right? So coyote eats the beaver, and fungus eats the beaver. <laughs> and then the coyote eats fungus because he eats the dead thing, right? So does that make sense? Like, you make it so it's a three-way triangle, where you see this eats this, which this eats this, just like, you know, rock beats scissors, Scissors beats paper, paper beats rock, right? So you need to create a triangle with something in the environment, but then you come up with actions, right? So coyote is like, raw, and beaver is like, oh, big old tail, you know? And fungi is whatever you want to make it. Um, and then so you now are standing up, and you're playing that game with each other. So you go one, two, three, and you go back to back. 
Then you go one, two, three, and then you turn and you look at the person and you do that action. And then whoever loses then forms a chain. You put their, your hands on the shoulders and you go and play it with somebody else. So this works more for lots of people, but it's like rock, paper, scissors, but using the environment. Does that make sense? Did I explain the game well? But um, yeah, so that's super fun to do. I really like to do, to do games because I really think that games help you remember things and helps you to experience things. And that's really the point of outdoor education is to have experiential education, to be experiencing and not just hearing it. Um, sound of a creature not stirring. I love this idea. Um, this idea basically is you, you wander through the woods or the field and listen for sounds you cannot hear. Okay, I think this is so cool. So you make a list, list of this. So for example, can you hear the fact that there's sap rising through the trees? No, but that's something that's happening right now. Can you hear a seed that's germinating? No, but that's something that's happening. Can you hear mitosis? Can you hear feathers? Can you hear wood petrified? A spider weaving its web? A leaf changing color? No, but this is all really cool things that are going on in nature. So make a list of all the things that you cannot hear. I just think the idea is so fun because I think your kids will come up with way better ideas than even this book had. All right. Um, next idea is kind of fun. You can make a bee watering bowl. You use sugar water and you put marbles in it. And then the bees come and they won't go in, but they're on the marbles. So it just would be super fun. You know, so just put sugar water and put, put marbles out on your front porch and watch the bees come to your marbles. Kids would love that. Like little boys would love the fact that things are coming to their marbles. Um, <laughs> no matter what the age is. All right. Um, start a family nature club. You know, really, that's one thing really awesome about Adventist church is we have Pathfinders and Adventures which is such an amazing opportunity for witnessing. So if you're not involved in your local Pathfinder Club or a local adventure club, I encourage you to start one or to um, be involved because Pathfinders is an incredible resource. Um, if you just want some really great things to do outdoors and you don't know even you yourself, go get a Pathfinder Honor because there's some really cool things to learn. In fact, I'm starting an outdoor education program next year at Heritage, and I'm using Pathfinder Honors to create my curriculum because it's just overwhelming and I don't want to like rewrite the wheel reinvent the wheel, and so I'm just using Pathfinder honors. And we're doing like camping skills one through four, we're doing the canoeing honor, and I'm not telling them that it's honors because honors aren't really cool or whatever, but eventually they might find out when they get the passion, maybe they'll think it's pretty cool. But, um, you know, I'm just gonna use the curriculum that's already written and teach them some really cool things. So if you want fun things to do, do Pathfinders, do adventures, um, include those, um, get your older people involved, and I think everybody can have fun doing Pathfinder honors and adventure awards. Um, yes. Website for um, looking for requirements for the honors is pathfindersonline.org. Pathfindersonline.org. Yeah, I just Googled Pathfinder Honors and I, and I was able to get it. And my friends and I, we had this outdoor brainstorming club and we, um, we would just go through and we, did, we um, copied and pasted every single Pathfinder Honor that could possibly work in our area. So we have this plethora of resources that someday we can tap on. We just took out the ones we want to do this year. But we just made all the Pathfinders, a big giant list of all the Pathfinder honors we could use in the area that we are in. Um, Wikipedia has a lot of answers too. Yeah, Wikipedia, exactly. And I think, Wikipedia is where I went for all my answers for the questions. That's very true. Um, I talked about this on Tuesday about a theme garden, but I, I did a little bit more looking into it, and that website is the coolest thing I have ever seen for theme gardens. Um, there's all these different ideas. To do, and so maybe for you know for your boys who aren't interested, if they have an idea for their little plot, like it's a theme, and you say you know out of there you're gonna have special Asian nights, you know once 
once a week when the garden starts growing, you know, and or um, we're going to have African nights, or we're going to have Native American nights, you know. If you look at that website, there's a whole list of different ideas to do for thematic gardening, which is really fun. Um, there is botany. botany. Yes, there is so much botany with this. With it, yes, things are grown under the corn to help protect it. Yeah, that's there's there's just so many cool things to do. I can't even fit them all in. All right. Um, I'll just skim through the rest of these. Basically, grow a sock garden. This is so fun. I love doing this. You put old, old socks on your kids, and they just walk around. And who knows what they're going to pick up on their old socks. But it's super fun, and they love it because they're interacting with nature in a whole new way. So if you want to go for a walk with your kids, be like, all right, you don't have to wear, sh you have to wear your shoes, but we're going to put old socks over your shoes. Or we're going to put old socks over your other socks. And you just get to really experience nature on our hike today, you know, um, which would be really fun. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have ever done wildlife tracks where you use plaster of Paris and put those, but there's instructions there how to do it if that's something that's new to you. A tree nursery source, I think this idea is so cool um, because trees are really expensive to buy. Um, and so if you can grow your own trees, I think that would be super fun. So there's a great idea about how to grow your own trees. Um, the last idea on the back is really fun, learning how plants breathe. You just go on a sunny day and put a Ziploc bag over a leafy part of a plant and zip it as far closed as possible. Wait 20 minutes and go back to see how much respiration moisture is in the bag. And it's really cool to then to have a very visual proof that plants are producing oxygen that we need to survive. Uh, two other ideas, Heather, that I thought of for you because I know you have older kids now, is the rate the creek flows. I don't know if you've ever done that experiment, but there, that website, it's complicated, but that website breaks it down super easy to figure out how the rate of a creek flows. And that, that website there is like at a high school level, but I think your boys would have a lot of fun with that website um, about all the things you can do with a creek study. And the next one is the measure of the height of a tree. I don't know if you guys have ever learned how to measure the height of a tree, but that website shows you how to do the height of a tree. Uh, and then I gave you a couple more websites down there at the bottom of other cool things to do uh, using the outdoors. But seriously, um, Google is a great resource for that. Uh, in closing, I put out my books, which I, I think I put out pretty much all these yesterday. Project Wet is huge, vast curriculum about all, everything to do with water and different ideas to do with water. Um, Project Wild is different things to do with animals and different things like that. It's all these very, very organized lesson plans. Um, sharing Nature with Children is one of my favorites. It uh, has great ideas to do. Um, I would say it's more directed to the younger ones, but I think you can figure out how to take it to the older ones as well. Um, I Love Dirt is just, um, I don't know. I thought it looked fun, but then going through it, I was like, well, some of these ideas just seem super obvious to me, but it's a cute book, so take a look at it. Uh, Nature's Playground is a cool book. The Nature Connection is pretty awesome, very awesome for um, younger ones. Simple Nature Experience Experiments, this is really cool. Um, and one of those websites, I was definitely thinking of your boys too, Heather, because it's really, really explosive experiments that I'm sure they would think were super fun outside, you know, and you don't care if things are exploding when they're outside. Um, sharing nature with children. This is the, the second one, but I like the first one better than I like the second one. Coyote's Guide is basically like, like a how to take your kids outside. It's, it's more like if you're going to want to be like a, um, I don't know, more like probably... It's very intentional in the way you want to teach. 
So I guess if you're wanting to learn how to be a better teacher, then this is the book for you more than like just a bunch of ideas. There is ideas in here, but it's a very big read, but it was something that I would definitely read and I have read as like an outdoor educator, if that makes sense. But it may not be like the read for everybody. <laughs> All right, um, I, that's it and our time is up. If you have any questions before we close. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for nature, and I thank you so much for the, the resource that's truly right at our fingertips, the free resource. And I know in a world that so many things grabs at our money, it's great to know that right outside our door is capabilities, Lord, to raise our children and even point ourselves closer to you. So I just ask that you be with um, everyone that is in the seminar. May they feel inspired. May they feel like there's possibilities. May they feel like it just takes a couple activities, Lord, to um, engage our children in that makes them interested and not feel overwhelmed. Lord, we give, you, we give you our churches, we give you our schools, we give you our children, and we give you ourselves. Help us to, Lord, just see the opportunities that you have for us. We love you and your name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.